The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, we take a look at the markets. Not any green on the screen today for the grains. A lot of red going on, but a lot of factors that you guys are looking in. And let's start out with the funds. They are definitely still in control of this trade. Yeah, they really are. And the more that we go down the path towards the Friday USDA grain stocks and acreage report, Susan, I think the more um, of us that have been in agriculture for quite some time, especially given the flooding in the western corn belt, are wondering why in the world the funds and the managed money positions continue to hold a record net short corn position and even build upon it in the last week. And I I think what I've been talking to clients and subscribers about is, is that we're in these types of markets nowadays where you pretty much have to see the whites of the eyes in terms of tighter supplies before the funds really acknowledge that they were wrong in their position. And I would use the hogs as a perfect example here uh, from where we were in the highs back in November, December to where we collapsed in February to now where we're back up and and testing even higher highs uh, potentially as we go into the springtime. I think the same type of scenario could be built in terms of the corn market if the USDA acreage report isn't too negative and if we continue to see three plus inches of rain over the next 15 days in a wide swath of the corn belt. Essentially what I'm getting at Susan for the listener out there is that once we get to the idea that the general marketplace is starting to understand either through lower acres or lower national yield because of delayed plantings or a combination of both Once we get below 1.5 billion bushels and new crop ending stocks for corn, I think the market then will start to see a real structural shift in how the funds operate. You throw in a a couple different things that we need to look at. Let's jump, first of all, to Friday. We've got a lot of pre-report squaring that's going to take on over the next couple of days. Friday is that first March 1 planting intentions report. Looking at those numbers and a stocks report as well being tossed in there. A lot of what-ifs are already being factored in when it comes to early spring planting. You look at this first report, what can we expect? I mean, I know it's asking to look in the crystal ball, but do you see any upcoming concerns with these numbers? No, not really. I mean, I think what I see is these numbers being as of March 1 and, and the market having to contend with the issue that if the numbers aren't too out of whack from the average trade guess, and we'll use corn since that's been our, our uh, example so far during this uh, this interview is that you know the trade is probably trading close to USDA's baseline number of 92 million or in between the average trade guess of about 91.3 to 92 million and that's where I'm at I'm at 91.6 I don't do newswire estimates anymore because the algorithmic traders I feel like I'm just giving them too much information to kind of price in before the report comes out what's going on so I keep those numbers for just the clients and subscribers but at 91.6 million acres I think the trade is going to have to start refining the supply demand table we knew we built a little bit of uh, ending stocks from last year that will be tacked on to the beginning stocks of this year but USDA has also done something very interesting in their baseline uh, numbers their yield came in at about uh, 176, a little over 176, Susan, 
and that's versus a three-year average of 175.8. So in corn, USDA is giving us a full high yield number of the last three years. In beans, they gave us a yield back in February in their baseline of 49.5 bushels. That compares to a three-year average of 50.9. I would argue that as the weather pattern develops here, it may exactly be the opposite where corn yields actually suffer because we don't get that ideal window of planting uh, put in in a wide swath of the corn belt. And in, in your area, in my area, in Illinois and in Indiana, the clients I work with back there, all of us are talking about how little got done last fall and how little has been done so far this spring in terms of fertilizer and field work. So that also bodes for not being able to get a very high national yield in corn, whereas there's plenty of time in the soybeans. So my natural reaction to, to uh, Friday's report will be, does USDA rob Peter to pay Paul in terms of the corn acres versus the bean acres? And if we go below 91 million acres in corn, I think that would be price-friendly, bullish in other words, and that there would be very little downside in the Deese corn, especially if we looked wet. Same token, if we went below 85 million bushels, or excuse me, 85 million acres, in the soybeans, I think that would promote the idea that we're not going to need to force the downside too much more in the soybeans until we get safely planted. So those are kind of the quick and dirty numbers that I'm looking at. But I think after the report, we're going to have to look at yield a lot more closely. Well, you know, and you talk about that and, and the discussion that's happening in the countryside is there's this fear that we're not going to get the corn in the ground. We don't need to be planting more bean acres, but that might be our fallback, and that's what we're going to see. Yes, and I think there's a third option that's very viable, given the farm economy and given the flooding and key parts of major soybean states and major corn states is prevent plant. Why not take the prevent plant? I think farmers and I think their lenders and, and, and their uh, decision-making, I think that will be a truly a third viable alternative this year based upon how much more flooding we have to contend with. I went back and looked at 1993 and 2010, 2011, because I'm relatively new to the massive flooding along these major rivers because I came from Indiana about six years ago to Atchison, right on the Missouri River. Interesting to note that both those years, the flooding and the very high water started in March and April, and they really didn't end until August, September of those years in terms of the actual floods ending. And that's, I think, very potentially indicative of what we may be contending with. And Noah even made that remark last week. So this is another dynamic, again, the funds just aren't looking at in this uh, in this pur- uh, purview until the report's out, if you ask me. Well, the writing is on the wall. We are going to talk more here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. As Mike Zuzalo joins us, we'll take a look at some other factors, maybe the dollar, what we're seeing there, and the happenings of the livestock trade as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Mike Zuzalo joins us with Global Commodity Analytics. We left off, I was talking about the dollar. We've seen some continued gains in that. How are you seeing it this week affecting the way the markets are trading? Well, it's it's a problematic issue, not just this week, but I think even more importantly as we go down the next three to six months, Susan, I think it's because of what the Federal Reserve did last week. They essentially acknowledged that we were slowing down globally and that without a U.S.-China trade agreement, then we would probably start to see a much more uh, favorable Federal Reserve in terms of keeping interest rates low, if not weakening interest rates and going backwards 
uh, from what they started about a year and a half ago. And the only thing I can say about that is, is that this has been very deflationary in the commodity markets. Whenever you see the dollar going higher and the stock market going higher, it's usually, in my experience, been because the Federal Reserve is essentially putting a floor underneath the stock market and the equities market saying, we're not going to tighten, we're not going to raise rates, so go ahead and put your money into the equities markets. And that's a very deflationary uh, experience when it comes to the commodity trade. So when I talk to clients and subscribers about my revenue goals for 19 corn and 19 beans of you know 900 to $950 of gross revenue, targets for 19 corn and 625 to $650 of revenue for 2019 soybeans. I think these are numbers that we really have to go after if those targets are met because we are unfortunately moving into a more deflationary market as we get into summertime. And what that means to me essentially is that instead of stimulating demand and additional um, uh, global trade, what it ends up doing is stimulates the weather market. And if we're going to go higher, it's going to be more because of supply and weather. It's something that we've unfortunately had to get used to the last three or four years to rely upon for our big market rally. So it, I'm still a hedger because of what the Federal Reserve did. And I, I thank you for bringing that up because it was quite a big shift that they made last week. And, and not a lot of people are talking about it. Jump over to what we're seeing in the livestock side. I know China has been on the back burner. We made some purchases on the grain complex, but the hogs look like they're looking to China, too, to see if there's any possibilities for some demand growth. Yeah, and today, uh, reported by Bloomberg, we had talked that the Chinese would help ease the trade deficit with the United States if there was a trade deal by buying as much as 300,000 metric tons of pig meat, and that even made the Fox Business News here recently uh, this afternoon. That doesn't really, I mean, it's a nice number, Susan, don't get me wrong, um, but it doesn't impress me that much if you were at the uh, Kearney uh, Fontenelle um, meeting from last December. I showed a chart of pork consumption in China versus U.S. pork exports to China, and we got up to around 400,000 metric tons back in 2012, 2013. The highest we were at was probably in the last three years was right around 350,000 metric tons. So it would be helpful. It would get us up to and probably past that high setback in 2012. But Chinese consumers eat almost 60 million metric tons of pork. So I would be actually pretty disappointed if they only bought that much from us, if I think African swine fever is as bad as it could be because they slaughtered just under 700 million head of hogs last year. If you lost 20 to 30% of that market and that uh, supply as you go into the summertime here, you're talking about 170 million head. That's the production of, of, of the United States is 70 million heads. So you're talking about a factor of almost two and a half times as far as what they may have lost because of African swine fever. So to me, 300,000 metric tons is a nice number, but I would be surprised if it wasn't more than that, if this disease is as bad as I think it is. And that tells me to recommend to clients hold off for hedges on the summer hogs at this point. Looking at the cattle, is there some concern back there that we could see some larger placements? As we head into the rest of this year? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the placements number should have gone down because of the flooding and because of the terrible winter and the bomb cyclone in this most recent report. So I want to say for the feeder cattle, most of the bearishness should be factored in in terms of price. And I'm still a long if we uh, drop another $1 to $3 in feeder cattle. Uh, the fat cattle are the ones that are more questionable because of, of the situation of what we have in the pens right now and in the feedlots. But I think we're, we're going to be past the big placements by the time we get to the uh, May-June numbers. Are we looking at cash cattle not taking place till Friday this week? Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me because I think they've done a lot of buying here in the last couple of weeks, and I think, quite honestly, uh, the Packers are probably wanting to get the prices back down below 128 uh, to make their uh, pro- premium and their profit per head a bit better. But I think they're going to have to come back around within the next couple, three weeks, and, and I would not be surprised to see a 130 cash trade here and there by the time we get to the late May, early June time period. I'm not saying that we should be stuck up there at that price level but if the hogs do what i think they probably should do as we get into the late may early june time period i think cattle prices could react positively and take advantage of that hedge those uh, marketings all right sounds good what's the best way to get a hold of you mike best way is to get on the website and ask for a trial on globalanalytics.biz otherwise give me a call after the market close 866 866- Four seven one twenty five eight eight, And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.